You know, I'm looking forward to preaching on this on this particular topic in, in the book of Jonah and on and on Jonah himself. You know, this story of Jonah, if you've ever run from anything in your life, Jonah is the place to turn to. The book of Jonah is the place to turn to because Jonah was a runner. And this story kind of hits home to me because I started running, actually running on the pavement <laughs> in my 20s. Um, I had, I've been working in a secular job in the computer industry since uh, I was in my early 20s. And if you know anything about that kind of work, you pretty much just sit at a desk all day long. And I did a good job at sitting at a desk all day long. And I did it. I mean, I just sat there, and I'd come home, and I'd do nothing. And I'd sit at work all day and come home and do nothing. And it caught up with me pretty quick. And one day I looked in the mirror, and I said, oh, you got to do something about this. So I started running. And um, running really helped. Um, but that's not the kind of running we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what Jonah did here. Now, if, if you've ever run from anything in your life, this this morning's story, it's really going to resonate with you. Here's a truth that we should all grab hold of and that we should look at is that, you know, we've all probably ran from something in our lives at some point. Um, in fact, we've all probably run from God at some point in our lives. And, you know, as his creation, if we look at God's creation, God's creation has gotten pretty good at running from its creator. The Bible tells us that in the book of Genesis, God's first creation ran from him, ran and hid. Running um, from God, running from responsibility, running from our own sin. This is not, though, the first time that man has run from God. You know, we could fast forward several thousand years from running in the garden, from Jonah running from God, to this very day of running from God. There's a song that I, I, I listen to Caleb Radio, and I come across this song that came on the radio, and as soon as I found it, I went to my Pandora and I downloaded the song. It's by a, a guy named Cody Carnes, and the chorus goes like this. It says, I run to the Father. I fall in his grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. So I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. And as soon as I heard that song, I was like, oh, man, I got to find that song. I got to find that song. And I found it, and I downloaded it, and uh, I've, I've, I memorized the chorus, at least, because I really like it. You know, but we run for all kinds of reasons. Maybe it's because of unanswered questions about God. Maybe it's because we think we know what's better for our life than God does. So we run. It also might be because God is dealing with an area of our lives that we don't want him to interfere with. So we run. Or maybe we're a little like Jonah. And we see that God is, us, God is calling us to do something specific. And we say, uh, nah, that's not for me. So we run from that. We run from that specific calling. 
This one may hit home, though, for some of us. Maybe you feel that God has let you down. That you had an idea of how you wanted your life to turn out. And you prayed about it. And it just didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen. And you say, ah, you know what, God? You let me down, God. So we ran. We turned around and we went the other way. But whatever the reason, this morning I want us to consider the direction we're running right now, presently. Are you running in direction away from God or to God? Now, I want to give you a little bit of history as we get into, um, you guys can get there in your Bibles. We're going to be looking at it. It's Jonah chapter 1. That's where we're going to park, just chapter 1 of Jonah. I want to talk about a little bit of history of what's happening so we know as we read this of why Jonah ran, and we can get a little bit into his mind. The city, uh, the, the Galilean city of Gath Hefer, this, this city that Jonah was meant to go to, Nineveh, that's this city. It's a, this city was a corrupt and evil and cruel city. And Jonah knew that going in. When God said, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh, Jonah's mind immediately clicked and he said, ah, you want me to go, what, where, Nineveh? I know what's happening in Nineveh, God. Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, was full of immorality, idolaters, full of the occult and witchcraft. Assyria was breathing down Israel's neck. They were at odds with Israel. They were enemies with Israel. And God told Jonah to go in and preach to these people. I want you to go in to the camp of the enemy. And I want you to go tell these people about me. Hmm. Jonah in this book, in, in the book of Jonah, he quotes the book of Psalms. Jonah knew the Psalms. Jesus talks about Jonah in the book of Matthew, by the way. He references Jonah in Matthew chapter 12, uh, in verses 40, 41, 42. I want to ask you guys a question. Um, I want to have a little bit of group discussion here. And I'll start it out. Name something you've run from. I run from spiders. <laughs> Listen, snakes don't bother me too much. Dogs even. I, I can fend off a dog pretty good. But a spider, I'm like, I'm like three-year-old on a chair and I'm screaming. They're, they're small. They, they creep around. They get on you and you can't get them off. I'm telling you. I mean, that's something I run from. Something else I run from? We've got a better handle on it in our house now. Now, we only have two kids, but you guys got a lot of kids. But laundry, it's like the weekend's coming. It's like, what? What happened? Where did all this come from? And I'm like, I just want to close the laundry door and put it in there. And no, I don't, uh-uh. And then there's some other things I run from. You know, um, my wife and I, we try to, we did Financial Peace University. Anybody know what Financial Peace University is? Right? Uh, Dave Ramsey puts it on. It's a great program. Um, and, and we try to tackle our finances together. And then the bills come along. And 
you know, you get your paychecks in, you're trying to get through the bills, and man, for a while there, I ran from the, I ran from the, the responsibility of trying to organize the bills and getting them taken care of and having those meetings with my wife and trying to stay on track with all that. That was, that was, that was a hard thing, running from the, the, the sitting down and being organized with our finances as a couple. That was a challenge for me. Anybody have anything they've ever run from in their life? Anybody want to share anything? Go ahead. You can talk back. It's okay. I give you permission. Snakes. <laughs> Snakes. Okay. Anybody else run from anything? I could just picture you riding a bicycle and being chased by a dog. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I was actually picturing today in present time. <laughs> Anything else? Anybody ever run from? The ministry. There you go. How about dealing with family conflict? That's a challenge, right? Dealing with conflict in general. People don't like, generally don't like conflict. That's something, right? You know, Jonah ran. We're going to look at, let's jump into the Word of God. Let's look, at, let's look at the first couple verses. Why don't you stand with me as we break into the Word of God. We're going to read the first couple verses. Chapter 1, verse 1, we're going to read through verse 3. It says this, I'm reading from New King James Version. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fee and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would just bless your word this morning as we uncover your truth, Lord. I pray that all hearts and minds would be willing to hear your truth, Lord, would be willing to set aside the things, the worries, the troubles, the, the anxiety that we came in this room with this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work freely amongst us this morning. Lord, we know that we have run from things in the past. We there are things, Lord, that we might be running from right now. But I pray, Lord, that as we hear your word this morning, you would break down those barriers, that you would speak to us one-on-one, -on -one, that we would listen to you, that we'd have open minds and open hearts, and that we would respond to your word and respond to you, Lord, your calling. I ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. You may be seated. So Jonah ran. The word of the Lord came to him. And the Bible, it describes the word as a powerful force. That it's living. It's alive. You know, Jeremiah the prophet says this about the word of the Lord. In Jeremiah 20 verse 9 it says, But the word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. I love this verse. 
He's saying, listen, I was trying to hold it back, but I couldn't do it. It was, it was, like, it was like burning me. And this is how God speaks to us. Has somebody ever told you something and it kept you up at night? Like you were just, you were just tossing and turning because they said something. Their words were heavy on you. This is how God's word is supposed to be on us. That it just keeps you tossing and turning. And that it stirs you up. That it was shut up in his bones. This is how, but when the word came to Jonah, he's like, oh, nope, nuh-uh. I got nothing to do with that. You want me to go to Nineveh. But I want to ask you this question this morning. What is your Nineveh? Because God has come to you and he's told you something. He's put a word in your heart this morning. Is it your Nineveh? Has he told you something and you're just like, "Mm, I know what you want, God. I know you've been asking. I I know what you've been saying to me. But man. Mm. Jonah had his Nineveh, but he just he just didn't want to go. God gave his marching orders to go, to prophesy of his coming judgment. And the word of God comes to us to tell us similar things. But Jonah ran. You know, we could do some we could do some stupid things when we run. Jonah, though, I, I want us to be clear on this. Jonah wasn't an ignorant man when it, com- when it comes to the word of God. Jonah, after all, he was a prophet of God. He knew God's power. But Jonah wanted to get as far away from God's calling as possible. You see, God said, I want you to go over here to Nineveh. So Jonah says, well, okay. You want me to go over here, so I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to go 500 miles away, as far as I can go. But if you notice in the scripture, we're going to get there in a minute. I mean, this kind of makes sense, right? Logically, I'm going to go as far away as I can. And if I go as far away as I can, maybe God will just go get somebody else. Because if I'm out of the picture, God can just call somebody else. And sometimes we think like that. Well, if I just put God off long enough, if I just go somewhere else, if I don't think about it, if I put it out of my mind, God will leave me alone. God will get somebody else. You know, in those days, traveling by ship was very dangerous. And you had to be kind of desperate to a certain degree if you were going to get on a ship. You, I mean, you were putting your life on the line for the most part. If... If I was running from God in those days, I certainly would not surround myself by water. Um, I'm just saying. I mean, it's probably not the best thought-out plan. (laughs) If I was Jonah, you know, I would probably think of another way to do that. What we see here in the scripture, though, is Jonah, he trusted the wrong people in what he was doing. And what Jonah did is he saw the very first thing when he was running from God. He said, oh, a ship. I can get on this ship. And what Jonah did is he mistook opportunity. He mistook, op- he mistook opportunity for the will of God. Oh, well, look, here's a ship here. I'll just get on it. Oh, that's great. And sometimes what we do in our own lives is we confuse opportunity with the will of God. 
We confuse opportunity with the will of God. We think because this is easy, this must be the will of God. That's not always the case. Satan will always present you with opportunity to run from God. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to make it easy. He's going to make it very easy. Satan will always give you a reason. He will always open a door. He'll open a window. He'll open a job. He'll make it a great opportunity to keep you running from God. Convenience and opportunity do not automatically equal God's will. And what Jonah had before him is immediately when he said no to God, guess what was there in front of him? Opportunity. Opportunity. But that wasn't God's will. If we look in, if we look in verse 3, I want to note a few things about verse 3. It says that he went down. It says, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And it says he went where? Down to Joppa. And then after he paid the fare, he went down into it. Every time Jonah ran from the Lord, he was going where? Down. Yeah, that's kind of interesting, huh? He kept going down. But what even is more interesting is he actually paid to run from God. He actually paid money to run from God. Every step Jonah took running away from God, the Bible mentions he went down. And if we think about that, where else are you going to go spiritually or morally or emotionally when you run from God? You're going to go down. But what God did is he sent a storm in pursuit of Jonah. And here's the deal. When God is pursuing you, when, he's, when, he, when he pursues you, he's going to let you know he's pursuing you. And this is what's going to happen. The storm is either going to make you better or it's going to make you bitter. When God is pursuing you, your reaction is either going to be one that's going to make you better or it's going to make you bitter toward God. Because your attitude is going to be this. Either, God, you're doing this to me or you're doing something through me. But God's grace and mercy would not let Jonah go. It says in verse 4, but the Lord sent out a great wind upon the sea. And the Bible in the original language describes it that God was throwing a javelin of a storm toward Jonah. Can you imagine? They're out there on the sea. It's just nice and they're just hanging out there doing their thing. And then the sailors are like, what? What just happened? Where did this come from? And this storm just descends on them, localized on the ship where they are. God's grace and mercy wouldn't let him go. But here's the thing. When God pursues us, sometimes it doesn't feel like grace and mercy. It doesn't feel like grace and mercy. But the storm was the consequence of his running. In verse 5, it mentions that the mariners were afraid. Like, this is like not just a normal storm they recognize. This is something else. There's more to this. 
They were so afraid that they started to throw the cargo overboard. Like, we've got to lighten the ship. So everything that we have earned, all the money that we have been storing, all of our customers' stuff, let's just throw it all over. So they dumped everything. Like, we're going to die is what they're thinking right now. It went from zero to 100 miles an hour like this. And they're trying to lighten their load. And all the while, at the end of verse 5, it says, but Jonah. And we have to catch this. At verse 5, it says, but Jonah. But Jonah does what? He goes down again. But Jonah goes down into the lowest part of the ship. And he's sleeping. Now, what Jonah was doing is he was trying to put this out of his mind. I'm running from God. I'm going to give God the silent treatment. I'm going to push this out of my mind. You ever been so stressed about something, so worried about something that you know what you want to do? I just want to go to sleep. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to worry about it. I just want to go to sleep. So this is what Jonah's doing. So the captain comes to him in verse 6 and says, what do, what do you mean? What do you mean, sleeper? Get up. Don't you know what's happening? Perhaps you can call on your God. So what's really interesting here is we have a pagan captain going to Jonah asking him to call on his God. But what happened in verse 5, I should have mentioned that in verse 5, is they all called on their gods with a little g. But you know what, you know what happened? Guess what? Who didn't answer them? Their little gods didn't answer them. They cried out to all of their gods, and they didn't answer them. So they come to Jonah, who's sleeping in the bottom of the ship, and say, hey, wake up. Call on your God. He's the only one left. Because we've called on ours. They didn't help us. Now, isn't it amazing that when we're in distress, how easy it is to call on God? You know, I think back in our country, when we have great times of distress in our country as a whole, that God's name is so easily mentioned. It's so easy to mention God and talk about God. I think about when 9-11 happened and the weeks and the months following after 9-11 that, you know, in God we trust and united we stand and everyone's in prayer for our nation, that that's so easy. And it was so, so simple to talk about. And then all of it just fades off. All of it fades away. And they're in distress here, and they turn, to God, they turn to Jonah and say, you need to call on your God. But here's the thing. This is exactly what Jonah didn't want to do. This is exactly what he didn't want to do because he was running from God. You know, when we, when we, when we run from God, this is exactly what we don't want to do. We don't want to communicate with our Heavenly Father. We want to stay as far away from him physically and spiritually as we can. When Jonah boarded the ship, he didn't declare who he was. He didn't, no one up to this point knows that he's a prophet of God. No one knows that he's running from God. You see, when we're running from God, we want to be silent about who we are, who we belong to, 
what are witnesses? We want to keep that all tucked in tight. I don't belong to God. You don't know me. I want to keep it all right here. And that's exactly what Jonah did. But then Jonah comes clean in verses 7, 8, and 9. In verse 9, in fact, it says, So he said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven. And then he throws this in at the end. Who made the sea and the dry land? (laughs) Oh, you think? (laughs) Look what's happening around us. We're all about to die. (laughs) So Jonah comes clean, and then they do this thing, the the, the custom of, they have this casting of lots, and they interrogate him, and verse 10 happens, where Jonah is thrown over. And the men were then exceedingly afraid, it says in verse 10, And they said to him, and we have to really grab hold of these words, why have you done this? Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord. And I want you to catch these these last words here in verse 10. It says, because he had told them, not only did he tell them that I am a Hebrew, And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven. But he also told them, oh yeah, by the way, I'm running from God right now. And you decided to get on a ship? What's wrong with you, man? You're going to kill us all. Then they said to him, what shall we do with you that the sea may be calm unto us? I think we may not make it. And the sailors, because they were exceedingly afraid, and these guys are supposed to be the professionals. These guys do this for a living. And this $64,000 question, why have you done this? But, But I want us to let that question simmer on us for a minute. Because I've come to myself many times in my life, I've come to myself and I've asked myself this same very question. Why did you do this, Dan? Why have you run from God yet again? This this thing in your life, why are you running from God over this? Because you know God has been faithful to you a thousand times over here, and you're running from him over this thing. Why have you done this? And they, who are pagan sailors, are asking Jonah, why have you run from God over this? Can you see how God is working in this, orchestrating this whole scenario? Through them, God is asking Jonah the question, why have you done this? In our lives, we run from God, and we need to let this question resonate and let it sink in. Take the fire and put it on low and let it simmer. Let it simmer. But don't leave here today without an answer. Don't leave here today without an answer. And the sailors, for a moment, were only thinking about themselves because they said that the sea, what are we going to do with you that the sea may be calm for us? And Jonah says in verse 12, hey, just pick me up and throw me into the sea. 
But in verse 13, because they were professional sailors, they said, it says, nevertheless, they rode hard to return to the land. I mean, they pushed. But you know who they were fighting against? God. They were fighting against God's will. They were fighting against what God was trying to do for Jonah. God was trying to save Jonah. And it says in verse 14 that, Therefore they cried out to the Lord, saying, We pray thee, O Lord, do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not, char do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked him up, and they threw him into the sea, and immediately it stopped. It stopped. Jonah's running is the cause of collateral damage. We need to let that sink in, too. That when we run from God, sometimes we think that we live in this bubble, right? That, well, whatever I do, it only affects me. That's a lie from the devil. Because when we run from God, it causes collateral damage. And as we see in this story here, that when Jonah ran from God, it caused all kinds of collateral damage. These men, they lost their livelihood. All the cargo on that ship was dumped. These men may have been injured. Their ship was no doubtedly damaged. It caused a lot of collateral damage. The price was very high. They did not want to let him die. Now in verse 14, they, they acknowledged God and they were calling out to him. But they prayed this somewhat bogus prayer. I don't recommend that any of us pray like this. God, we're about to do something very bad, so please forgive us in advance. We're going to throw him overboard. <laughs> so don't pray like that. Um, <laughs> but these sailors who were all praying to their little... They're gods with a little g. They've come a long way. They've come a long way because after Jonah goes into the sea, the sea becomes like glass. And if you can imagine for a moment the thrill of hope that these sailors had. You see, God was at work this whole time. Jonah missed something huge here. Jonah had a captive audience this whole time. Remember the Apostle Paul when he was in prison? He had a captive audience the whole time when he was singing. And who heard him? The jailer. He had a captive audience. This is the same story, but thousands of years in the past. And Jonah missed it. Jonah had a captive audience and he missed it. But the story's not done. You see, I believe this runaway prophet and the storm, it took this storm at sea to reveal who God was to these sailors. Because I believe this very hour that these sailors trusted God. Jonah became a substitute for these sailors. And Jesus, just like Jesus, became a substitute for us. Look in verse 16. It says, the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. 
they sacrificed to God. These pagan sailors all united, they came together, and they worshipped one true God that day. Because of a runaway prophet, because of Jonah, because God took Jonah, who was running from him, and used Jonah for him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah in verse 17. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. That ends chapter 1. There's a lesson for us, though, here in all of this, and that's two real simple things. To stop running. And the second thing is to move toward God. We see here Jonah is the prophet that Jesus compares himself to. He is not like Jonah in his disobedience, because we know that while Jesus was here on this earth, he was perfect in all his ways. But he is like Jonah in that he brings a message of salvation. You see, Jonah took, the message, took a message to Nineveh that they could turn to God and be saved. And Jesus is the one who brings us a message of salvation to the whole world. He is the one who demonstrated his love to us and gave us the way that we could be made right with God. You see, the prophet Jonah, for all his faults and imperfections, points us to Jesus. If you're running from God, I implore you to do one simple thing. Stop. Stop. God decided we are all worth saving. And Jonah, though, in this story, he had a strong bias toward Nineveh. He had a strong bias toward Nineveh. He looked out on Nineveh and immediately he made a snap decision and said, they are not worth saving. No, God, I'm going to run. And we have to be very careful today. We have to be very careful today when God says, I want you to go into your community. I want you to go to that person who you sit next to at work who drives you nuts and who purposely makes you mad. And I want you to love them. And I want you to share the gospel with them. I don't care what bias you have toward that person because you need to love them like I love you. I didn't ask how you feel about it. That's what God says. And that's what he told Jonah. And Jonah said, no, that's not for me. I got a problem with that, God. I got a problem with you, God, and he ran. But you see, when Jesus Christ came to die for the sins of the world, he said, I'm dying for all mankind. All means what? All. Some of you said it. All means what? All. He never asked how we feel about it. He didn't ask for us to weigh in on that decision. His blood was meant for everyone. God didn't want Jonah's sacrifice. You see, Jonah thought he was going to be noble. Oh, just sacrifice me. Just throw me overboard, and that'll solve your problem, sailors. God said, I don't want your sacrifice, Jonah. I want your obedience, man. you got something to do. I'm not done with you. God doesn't want your sacrifice. He wants your obedience. He wants your obedience. He wants you to follow through. 
Speaking of running, he wants you to finish your race. He wants you to complete the task he's put before you. Jonah attempted to give up, and God said, I'm not giving up on you. You've got something to do. He wanted to let the sea swallow him up in death, but God said, I'm going to rescue you because I have something for you to finish. Psalms 51, verse 16 and 17 says, thou, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. God wanted Jonah's heart all along. And he wanted Jonah to want what he wanted. And that's the key right there. God wants us to want what he wants. And if we can just grasp that, that was to love people and trust God in the process. The second thing is to move toward God. Moving toward God is hard. It's hard, especially if you've been walking away from God for a long time. But I want to give you a simple, I want to give you some simple steps to move toward God. It involves one, it involves one thing first, and that's confession. Confession is, a, is challenging for anyone because you have to meet your sin head on. Confession is telling the truth. It's not shifting blame. It's not falsely justifying, saying, well, you know, I, the only reason I did it is because they did it. Or, you know, I, uh, everybody else is, you know, that's falsely justifying. Number two, it's telling the whole truth, not just a partial truth. Well, I sort of did it, you know. I mean, you've got to be honest all the way. Number three, it's admitting you were wrong. It's saying the actual words, I was wrong. I, me, I was wrong. Number three, it's taking, or number four, it's taking full ownership. It was my own choice. I own the choice that I made. No one coerced me into doing it. It was me. Number five, it's acknowledging the pain. This is where confession merges with empathy. I acknowledge that I had caused you pain, that I caused other people pain. And number six, this is the last, and this is probably the most important, it's committing to change. This is where, this is where confession turns into repentance. It's where you say, I'm going to stop walking away from you, God, and I'm going to start walking toward you, God. You say, your, your move toward God may be as simple as this, like Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Just acknowledging who God is. You know, today, God orchestrated you to be here in this place. To hear this message. I don't believe for one second in coincidence, happenstance. But I do believe in God's timing. From the moment we started talking about running from God, something, you thought of something. Something sparked in your mind. You know that thing, that one thing that you won't let go of, that one thing that's holding you back, that's preventing you from real growth. 
I'm going to invite you this morning to move toward God. We're going to have a verse of invitation in just a moment as the song leader comes forward. I want to fast forward as the song is being prepared to Jonah chapter 4, the end of the book of Jonah. And it ends very sadly. Because in Jonah chapter 4, Jonah ends up in chapter 4, verse 5, that he goes up after he preaches to Nineveh. And he obeys God, which I think was begrudgingly. And he goes and he preaches all the way through Nineveh. And Nineveh responds in such a great way. And then he goes in chapter 4 at the end of the book. And he goes and he sits up on a, on a hillside. And you know what he's doing? He's sitting up there to watch, and he's mad at God the whole time. He's sitting up there to watch to see what's going to happen. He wants to see if they're going to respond or not. And he's, and he's upset, and he's talking with God about how he's upset because he just didn't like the whole deal. He didn't like the whole thing. He would rather that they wouldn't respond. He was, he was, he's sitting up there waiting for God's judgment, but what happened is they responded positively to God's message. And Jonah's, and, and the book just ends that way. It ends with Jonah and God having a disagreement, and Jonah is angry at God, and there's the end of the book. What a sad ending. What a sad way to end the story of Jonah. And every time I read that, I go, I don't want that to be my ending. I would never want that to be said about my life, that I ended on that note. And we, and we have nothing else about Jonah other than Jesus' reference in the New Testament about Jonah. And Jonah, to me, just seems like he's a bitter guy, a bitter prophet. He obeyed God, and he carried out what God wanted him to do, and he did the minimum. He did what he, was necessary. But God wants more for us. God has more in store for us. And God wants us to move toward him with a smile and, and with cheerfulness because God has blessings in store for us. But we're not going to know those unless we're moving toward him. Why don't we stand? We're going to have a verse of invitation. I pray that as God has spoken to your heart this morning that you would respond.